Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's Ilana and friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day, every little thing's gonna be A-OK. Little known fact about my guest today, as a young girl, she would watch films with Jodie Foster or Natalie Portman, things they had done when they were the same age as she was at the time, and it made her realize she wasn't limited to just doing musicals at school, that there were dramatic roles that someone her age could play, and she decided she wanted to try that, and she has succeeded. Welcome Emma Nelson to the podcast. A-OK. everyone. My guest today is Emma Nelson. Emma stars in The Unforgivable alongside Sandra Bullock for Netflix and made her big screen debut in the film adaptation of the best-selling novel Where'd You Go Bernadette, helmed by Academy Award nominee Richard Linkletter. Emma played the character of B in that film, the daughter of Academy Award winner Kate Blanchett, and the film also stars Billy Crudup, Lawrence Fishburne, and Kristen Wiig, a native of the Chicago area. Emma has participated in many local theater productions, including a lead role in the pre-Broadway production of Trevor the Musical, which was produced and directed by the renowned Mark Bruni. Hey, Emma Nelson. Hello. I spent last night watching you in The Unforgivable, and that is such a powerful movie. It leaves you with, in some ways, more questions than you even had going into the film. But you are phenomenal in this movie. Thank you so much. It's so devastating. No, it really, the first time I watched it, I was... um, I remember getting the the link to the screener at school. Um, And obviously I'm not gonna like, I can't just open up my phone and watch Netflix at school. Um, But I was, I think it was- Well, you could. I could, I definitely could, but probably not, you know. Yeah. And I just remember I was like so antsy the whole day. I had to go to, um, I take like a, for my PE, I take like a dance class and we had a little bit of a, a yoga day that day and my heart's like racing. I'm so excited. It's been like year. I, it feels like it's been forever and I finally get to see it and I have to wait until the end of the day. Um, but I just, I, I'm so glad that you got, that you got to see it and I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts about it. Well, first of all, let's, before we get into the movie, let's talk about how you're still in school. Are you a senior at this point? I'm a senior, yeah. So I am lucky enough to be able to have enough credits to graduate. Uh, my last day of school will be um, December 17th. So I have the rest of this week and next week, and then I am done with high school, which is such a strange um, a phenomenon to me because I just, I don't know. I, I think that 
as a young person, you always feel like it will go on forever. And I still am not really processing, like, I'm not going back next semester. Like, that's it for me. And I'm not, you know, I'm not planning on going to college. So, you know, I, it's very strange because I've spent my whole life in school, obviously, to, to come, you know, come to the understanding of like, it's done, it's over. Yeah. This is it. It's very, very weird. But I'm, I'm really excited. I bet. And the idea that you can kind of, I can't believe we're kind of like, if there were an advent calendar of your graduation, mm -hmm. we would oh like be at the God. very last tabs. I know I should, I need an advent calendar. I feel like I need some motivators to get me a going. Marker. Yeah. Right. Some kind of, well, when you, um, when you started kind of this journey of becoming not just someone who like is an appreciator of the arts, but like, this is now your the centerpiece of your life in terms right. of what you do and what you think about and where you go every day when you're not in yeah. high school. Um, yeah. How did you sort of make the like sort of pivot from I love this. I love yeah. musicals and I love singing and I love all this yeah. stuff too. I want to do this in earnest as a, like a professional person. Well, I think that I can really look back on watching performances of young actresses actually my closer to my age um like Jodie Foster and Natalie Portman I are names I always bring up when I talk about what made me like performances that really convinced me that I could do this huh. professionally not like I hadn't had the desire to or wanted to but it was kind of like I knew that musical theater could be attainable for me. You know, I had gotten some some parts and I was having fun there, but watching young women like Jodie Foster and Natalie Portman in the, the earlier stages of their career and even people closer to my generation of actors, um, I think watching them on screen being like, wow, I can actually achieve this now. And I don't have to be on, you know, like a, um, I can be in serious films and pursue acting the way that I want to because I am, I'm seeing girls like myself do it right. on screen. Right. But I think it, it's, it's a lot, a lot of my inspiration and, and my, my drive to want to be a performer and an actor came from just how much I connected with movies, which I, um, I, I bring up often is because I just, my connection with movies is the reason I have a connection with acting and performing. And, you know, those those performances by those young women, especially, um, I think really, I had never even, I had never seen such dramatic performances by girls my age. Right. And so I was like, oh, wow, um, this is something I can actually accomplish. This isn't just uh, some pipe dream, unattainable thing. And is there someone in your life sort of curating things for you to watch? Are you finding them on your own? Like, how are you seeking out the stuff that's inspiring you? You know, my family, we've always been um, like, I hear from some people, they're like, oh, we're not big TV people. We're not big movie people, which I've never understood. Um, like they'll be like, I don't, I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't watch a lot of TV. You're like, um, what do you do all day? No, I'm like, I, I cannot, <laughs> even think, I can't think of any of us, but I mean, I, we've just always been the type of people to the activity at night as we go and watch a movie mm -hmm. and not even necessarily in theaters. Um, like we, but as a family, 
Yeah, but just like whether it's my mom and I, my sister and I, I've just we've always done it as long as I can remember. Um, and my dad and I actually he introduced me to one of my favorite movies, which is Ordinary People. Um, yeah, which is a wonderful movie um, that I, I love. So I think, you know, when it comes to older stuff like that, it's it's my pa- older stuff. It's not that old, but um, it's my parents. And then, you know, sometimes my manager, Lisa, who or one of my managers who um, has been with me since I was 10 years old. Um, she as I was, you know, coming into to being more comfortable with with acting on on screen. Uh, would recommend movies for me to watch just with different auditions, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, this out, this is like this. And I think just through that, you know, she's definitely helped me with the recommendations a lot, but I also am fortunate to have a family who also loves movies. So. Wait, so you at 10 years old sort of made mm-hmm. the jump to starting to audition for things beyond school or community yeah. theater projects. Yeah. So how did, how did that happen? Well, it was kind of a strange, I don't know. It was just like, I like to think of, of a bit of a predetermined path that I, that I don't know about. I'm not particularly religious, but I'm a little bit, a little bit spiritual in that way um, where it, it was strange. We had a recommendation. I was doing some community theater thing that, um, and we had been talking, my mom and I had been talking to a friend I had made and her mom. And she goes, Oh, we, we heard of this, you know, manage these people who are, you know, great managers. And I know that you're interested in that. You should go check it out. And it just felt it was, it was very good timing, but I think that also I was meant to be connected to, to, to Lisa, my manager at that time. And I, I wouldn't be where I am today without her. And I, I went and I was uh, a little 10, 11, I don't remember if I was 10 or 11, um, year old girl with like really short hair. I had a pixie cut when I was younger. So it was growing out. It was in these French braids. And I remember going there and being so scared. And I was just so excited when I got the opportunity to, to start auditioning. And I remember like my first script that I would get like my sides. I didn't know what the word sides meant and, you know, going into audition. And I, you know, it was just like, all right, here you go. Like, we're going to start doing this. And that's really how I learned to do it was just by throwing myself into it. Like you just throw yourself in the pool. But I mean, it didn't really feel like that because I felt like I had been prepared, not really on the technicalities of it, like the, 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 the garb, the garb or whatever. What's the word for slang, like acting slang, but um, I want to know acting slang. Yeah, I mean, I don't, other than, other than sides, I can't think of anything okay. I was. Right, but like sure. your mark, but, stepping on your mark and sort right, of right. slating Definitely your that. name and yeah. Exactly, like I didn't know what a slate was. I right. had never done that stuff before. And I, I just, once I got started and I got these opportunities, it's like, oh, it only took a taste of it. And I was like, I can't go back to theater. <laughs> like, I am so in love with this. Not that I wasn't in love with theater. I totally was, but... Um, I was like, if this opportunity comes, I, I'm not turning it down. And is this I, in Chicago? Yeah, this is so I live in a suburb outside of Chicago. Okay. Um, so it's there when people when I say, you know, from Chicago, I think it's it's easier than being like, I'm from X suburb 30 minutes outside of Chicago. That Right, know. right. But I yeah, it is. And I honestly, there isn't a ton of 
there isn't a huge, it's not like LA or New York where around the corner, every person's an actor, you get in an Uber and they're an actor too. Right. Um, it really isn't. It's a very big place for theater. There's, there's, there's great theater in Chicago, but for the, the film acting, not so much like stuff doesn't really film in Chicago. Um, and I was really, really lucky to, to land on, on great people who um, have stuck with me since the very beginning. And kind of early on, I mean, it might have not felt really quite. No, it, no, it, is, it is early. So, so Where'd You Go Bernadette was, was like a really best-selling book. Everyone, even if they hadn't read it, it's the greatest title ever. So they felt like they did. Um, yeah. And so is that something that was casting in Chicago or did you have it make a tape and they sent it off to LA or New York or wherever, or Texas, wherever Linkletter yeah, lives? Yeah, like, yeah. So I, I, made, I made the normal tape. Um, I, I read, I remember it was uh, a monologue straight from the book. Okay. And a lot of Where'd You Go Bernadette is written in B's perspective, which is my character. And then they had me send a few minutes of just me having a conversation with someone, which was very strange. It was just the person behind the camera, like the reader, asking me some questions about my life. And I just answered them. Uh, Wait, so they did come to Chicago to do... No, no, it was was just a tape that we sent off. That was just a part of the self-tape. Oh, okay which was was weird I had had never experienced that as a part of an audition before and it wasn't dialogue um it was just the monologue and the conversation and so is it you reacting when you say the conversation like are you improvising I'm not in character at all it was just they wanted to see me as Emma the person talking about my life which I never done I've never done before and I have never done it for an audition after um and do you remember what I, you talked about what did I talk it's about it's a while ago now it me that it was I was 12 so that would be five yeah. years ago yeah um I think they asked me some interests of mine I think I talked about how I love writing um and I I remember talking about how I love the Beatles because that was a part of the monologue too was there's a lot of references in the book that that didn't make it into the movie but in the monologue the Beatles were referenced and so I talked about that a little bit and I remember it was two weeks later that we got feedback and they're like they asked me to come out to New York and they flew me out to New York to meet Kate and Billy and Rick in person and so I go from 12 year old auditioning self-tapes to in a room with Kate Blanchett and Rick Linklater and I just went in and I did what I could and I think now with some perspective Rick told me like I left the room and they're like yeah she's the one that's it Um, but I think that there is there's a lot of clearance that has to go into girl with absolutely no experience being cast in a huge role, um, you know, like, how are we going to know that she can do this? And, you know, Rick really, I, I'm, I'm just really grateful for him to, you know, for believing in, in my ability. And I, you know, we filmed it and well, I got the role. It was like a month or so after I was so nervous because they kept telling us like uh, a few more phone calls like we have to you know clear x y and z we don't know yet and and I just remember the day of getting the role um 
and it was before it was, I think I got it in May and then I went out to film start rehearsals in June um, of 2017 and my birthday's in June. So I just turned 13, but I just remember thinking, I'm like, I literally, I couldn't ask for anything. I remember being like, I cannot ask for a birthday present right now. I literally have everything that I could ever want going out to do this. Um, so it was, it was a really, it was a crazy kind of experience that I think is, 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 it's baffling to me to th- think back on it, that it just kind of happened that way. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you get into it? Like, did you do commercials before this? And it's just like, nope, just jumped right in. Yeah. And in terms of like, once you're there, I mean, B is a starring role in this film. You had, I mean, I feel like a non-actor when people are like, how do you learn all those lines? But it is no, a new muscle. You had a lot a lot to learn right. and do. Was there a rehearsal period, which is not always the case for films? Yeah, there there was. I think I've heard from other actors that Rick has more rehearsal than most films mm-hmm. by far. And we had like an entire month of rehearsal to go through everything. Wow. We, sat, we would just kind of do it like every day. I We would sit with Kate. If it was just a scene with Kate and I, then it would just be me, Kate and Rick. Or if Billy were there, then he would be there. But like before any scene, we would have to have like a whole, it would be like an hour long, even for just a short scene. Like I remember my scene with Kristen Wiig, we were, we had to go in the conference room before we could film it. We would have to set up a meeting the night before to go over everything, which I love about working with Rick is like that experience was so unique. And I felt like even as a kid, I got the creative license to, I was trusted that I know B, I, you know, with my research, reading the book a thousand times and, you know, my experience getting to know her as a character that I got to, you know, have input in the script, which was really, really cool, especially for a first time anything and, you know, also 13 years old. but you were really so, channeling that character, right? I mean, there there's a magical fusion between where Emma ends and B begins. And I mean, right. you, you, you obviously were meant to get that part, right? Like there was nothing you could do to get in the way of it because there was just yeah. this seamless, I mean, I keep saying fusion is the word that comes to mind yeah. because it was so organic and exciting. Um, I got, I think about that month where there are all these people trying to make it happen for you, but you have no idea what's you know, going on. I and I, I didn't. It, it's crazy to think back. I wish I could go and and tell my my young self, like it's gonna be, you'll be fine. Just wait. Like go do your day. Right. I know. Enjoy yeah, having yeah. nothing to do today. Yeah. So that started before. So that was the beginning of you sort of leaving school, like leaving Emma's life to go do this uh-huh. other thing. Where did Bernadette film? So Bernadette filmed in Pittsburgh, um, and then we also filmed in Greenland. Wow. Um, People ask me a lot, they're like, did you actually go to Antarctica? Which is the answer to that is no. Mm -hmm. We went to Greenland, but I think it it, it was just as stunning. Yeah. Um, it It was so beautiful. And on the boat, we were in a hurricane. It was a category one hurricane while we were filming it. And I was starting my eighth grade year. I wasn't there. Um... But I remember everybody was so sick, except for me, because I had a 
scopolamine patch, I think it's called, um, which is like a really severe anti-nausea patch. And my mom and I joke about it to this day, but everybody was freaking out because the storm was so bad and people were seasick and our producer, uh, one of our producers broke her leg. Um, and it was a disaster. Was, they're like, you do, like with my Dramamine and my scopolamine. And I couldn't tell you because I'm an anxious person. Like I, I, I have anxiety, but for some reason on that boat, I'm like, I'm fine. Just That's eight incredible. days, which is, it was crazy, but it was such a beautiful experience to be able to film on location like that. So did your mom go with you both to Pittsburgh and Greenland? Yeah, she, yeah, she goes with me everywhere. Primarily my mom. Um, I'm sure my dad would love to go, but it is kind of just kind of been that way. Um, mm-hmm. My mom has flexible work for, work for her work. And um, my dad went with me at the beginning of Bernadette's. My mom had a surgery and um so it was, it was really fun. I mean, we were all in an apartment and I had some family drive up during filming and, and visit and it was really cool. It was a great experience. So cut to uh, The Unforgivable, which is also like an incredibly star-studded cast, um, very different in tone and, yeah. and sort of the vibe and the feel of that film. Um, also, you can you can tell me how it worked, but in the middle of all this is COVID. And so mm-hmm. a lot of things were in production and then had to start and sort of recalibrate. How yeah. was The Unforgivable affected? And did you have to film with all these new protocols or was your stuff done already? Yeah, well, we, we did. So I started filming The Unforgivable in January of 2020. Okay. Um, was the calm before the storm and we were in Vancouver Canada and my mom and I were and I remember in Mar- I was filming January and February I would kind of go back and forth and then I was there in March the beginning of March and I remember my mom and I because like I mentioned I we watch a lot of tv movies together yeah you're watching this documentary I think it was actually a Netflix documentary it was something about like pandemics um, it was just so weird. We like look back on this and I'm like, oh my God, little did we know it yeah. was about like the, what would happen if there was a pandemic or an epidemic. And we were watching, I was like, that's crazy. And back then it was like, we thought of COVID as like Ebola, like, oh, maybe there'll be a couple cases, but, yeah. but we'll take care of it. It won't be any, it's scary, but it won't be anything that'll probably affect our lives, which right. is crazy. And then we flew home. I went back to school for a day and then March 14th happened and we got sent home. And I realized, you know, we all knew that it was going to be shut down. Um, and it was kind of up in the air. We knew we were always, obviously, you know, there's no like, oh, we're going to shut down production and never finish it. But I didn't know when. Um, and things were just too crazy to, to go back. Uh, and so luckily enough, we were able to go and, and we filmed, I was there for the entire month of September, 2020. So we, you know, they took that summer, they edited what they had. So the family stuff, all that stuff got shot later. Uh, yeah, which I think Nora says, Nora, the director says, a lot her goal was no one should be able to tell what was shot before and after pandemic well that is 100 percent. that was very yeah. successful yeah. yeah and i i think i think it was too um but you know it was very different um there was a lot of different crew members um we had like a totally different hair makeup team like 
but the, the, the solutions were so creative to how we would work around COVID. Um, you know, everyone, this was before the vaccine too. And so everyone wore N95s anytime we were on set that we were not filming between every take and face shields. And there were different zones um, that required different levels of PPE. Like if it was a close contact zone, it would be like the maximum amount of PPE. And it was like, we got tested three times a week. We had to quarantine for two weeks. We could not leave our apartment. And I had my puppy with me. Um, I brought my, my dachshund, um, who at the time was like six months old. And so he got, he had somebody who would come to our apartment, take him and walk him <laughs> down the street because so we were in quarantine. Yes, you couldn't, right. No. And so, um, I mean, the whole time we were, someone had to do our grocery shopping for us. Um, we couldn't go sit at restaurants and we had to be super, super careful. Um, so it was hard. It was like really isolating. And I think by the end of it, I find, kind of felt like I was going crazy um, because and I you was were like, even yeah. with your mom and dog. And yeah. think about how many, I have so many friends filming who were by themselves all oh the time, gosh. right? I like really, I really can't. I, I am looking forward to and simultaneously kind of dreading turning 18 because I'm like, I don't want to take my mom with, like, I need company. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine sitting alone, like in a city, I don't know, because that is kind of how it works. You just are flown somewhere, you get in a car, you go, and then you work. And yeah. as much as it's great to be on set with people when you go home at the end of the day, having that company there was, was so helpful. But I was so, I was glad to go home because I was, you know, I was there for, you know, a straight month. Usually when it's like, oh, I'm there for a month, it's like you get to go home on the weekend or yeah. something like that. Not bad, uh, not during these protocols, for sure. Yeah. In Vancouver, there were other productions set up that would, uh, they would like all go down with a case of COVID. Like Domino's was so scary. We never did. And that was great. Um, and it was, I, I think it's such a, an impressive feat that we were able to be so safe, even pre-vaccine. It's incredible. I watched a, a, a short interview with Sandy, who was talking about this unbelievably powerful scene uh, with Viola Davis that she has, and that that was in fact one of the things shot during COVID. And the mm -hmm. fact that they were like 15 feet away from each other and each of them masked and shielded during the yeah. coverage of the other person. Um, when, when listeners watch the movie and have that knowledge, there's yeah. nothing about how that scene is played um, that you would ever know that anyone wasn't sort of, you know, looking at each other deep into each yeah. other's eyes and sort of feeling, you know, the energy of that. It's really, it's really kind of incredible how deeply invested everyone is. You know, the movie is about, um, you know, someone who is incarcerated for a murder. Um, there are a lot of questions around the crime. Some of it's told in flashback. There's an unbelievable reveal toward the end of the film um, that was really one of the best of its kind. I too watch a lot of film, television okay, and theater. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was incredible. And people will know what we're talking about once they see it. Yeah, I know even reading the script, I remember that finishing that reveal. Like, oh my God, even just on the page, it just completely, it was like jumped up and I can totally picture it. It was like, I can't wait to see what this looks like. And it did not disappoint watching the film for the first time. I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like, yes. you feel so clever as an audience member. You do. Like, and also you feel, you think you're ahead of it and you're so not ahead of it. And and um, I just feel like 
you know, I'm such a theater lover and, and the actress who plays your mother, um, Linda, yeah, Linda is, is just someone who in the New York theater scene is like the most revered. She did, um, she was in uh, Death of a Salesman. She did a production of that in New York and sort of took this town by storm and she's in all these Tony Kushner plays. And then you're too young, but um, you know, The Waltons was like a show that was so part of our life and seeing Both Richard my Thomas. Parents, and they they found must out have freaked who Richard Thomas is. He's a great guy who's playing my dad, but they're like, oh my God, it's, it's a, what was it called? It was like, there was some name that they called him. What was his character? John Boy. John Boy. John Boy. <laughs> goes, it's John Boy. My parents were like, what do you mean? And I remember we walked into, we were filming and we, there was like a kind of bar. It was like a, not like a CD, but it was like dark place. And we just went in there, catering was set up. And so we went in there and ate, um, but on the TV, the Waltons was playing and it was hilarious because Richard was eating with us and it was, I, I, I it is before my time, but I, yes. my, everyone else knew about it. Yes. I mean, maybe Sandy and Viola, you know, yeah. everyone else probably not, but, but there was a time where Richard Thomas and that show, he was as famous as Sandy. I mean, just in terms of how people were obsessed and, and it became a cultural thing because it was a show where they had tons of siblings and every night they'd say, good night, John boy, good night, Mary Ellen. And they would all say good night to each other. And then everyone in their house would do their good nights in their house, the way the Waltons did it. It's just hilarious. And then, and then there he is. And he's really gone back to the theater also. Like he's been yeah. doing all of this amazing stuff. The, the idea of you sort of, um, dipping your your um creative toe as it were into mm -hmm. these new incredible projects not dipping full-on body <laughs> plunge into these things um but then going back to school and going back to life you know how yeah. has that been for you did you feel like I'm in a rush to get out of school because I know what I want to do and I'm not sure algebra is going to help me yeah. or are you yeah. able to love being in school when you're in school well I think a little bit of both um it was tough because it's hard for teachers to accommodate when they don't really understand um you know there's a lot of one track go to high school go to college that's right. the only option right. um and I think that that's the thing that's that's stuck in a lot of people's minds is, you know, that's not everyone's path. Even if you're not an actor, not everyone has to go to college if that's not for you. And I'm lucky enough to have the choice. I got to make the choice. Do I want to go to college or, or, or can I pursue this? And, and have a family support that choice. Exactly. And yeah. I was so lucky to have such a supportive family that allowed me to say, you know, uh, you know, Emma, we see you being successful in this area and, and you can you don't need to go to school because we don't see that being useful for you. And I was so happy that I didn't have to do that, but about being in high school, it's just, it's hard missing the content, but also socially when you're away and you kind of become unavailable um, to social interactions. And I kind of felt myself just kind of pull away from everything because it would, it was hard to go to school and, and have people I really enjoyed being around and friends, but people that didn't really fully get, you know, this aspect of my life uh, because there was no one close to my age on either projects that I, that I worked on. And so 
I, I think I always wanted somebody that I could talk to my age about what it feels like to, 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 to grapple with, um, with both of those things. And kids have, have, I've met some wonderful people and also some not so wonderful people. And, um, a lot of people thought that it was funny when, you know, when Bernadette came out, cause it's not the kind of movie, I guess a teenager would watch and they would, you know, make me the butt of the joke and deciding to stay in high school, I think was a great choice, albeit difficult because I, you know, I was, you know, doing the tutor stuff and, and all that, but I'm glad I did it because I, I really, I, I did, I did make some, some great friends, but I also, I think I needed that experience. I, I want to be as much of a fully formed person as I can and not take myself away from, from real life, just because I get to do these awesome, right. awesome things. I wanted that, that experience. Um, so it was difficult and it's been, it's, it was more difficult, but I think now that I'm in the end of it, I'm glad that I, that I stayed and I didn't do online school or homeschool because I did get the experience out of it. And I, and I'm, I'm glad, even though it was tough and it's tough trying to get people to take you seriously about something that you love when, you know, you're the girl in the movie and she thinks she's famous and all that kind of stuff. And I, I learned how to just suck it up and, and get through it. Uh, when I, you know, there were some days I just didn't want to go to school because it, it was like, I feel so alienated because yeah. of it. And I think yeah. a lot of people, people are confused about that because you think like, oh, you know, people would think you were so cool for doing that. But really, especially in my community, I don't know what it is, but there was a lot of of um of jealousy I think that that played out in a way that seemed like oh we're gonna make fun of you mm-hmm. um, so yeah but I, I I think that I I'm really glad that I was able to 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 finish high school this way and I I think I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be finishing and and opening myself up allowing myself to to really fully invest my time in, in, in working now. Well, you are a second away. Like you did it. You're a second away from the finish line. This great time. I am so proud of you. And I just met you. I know how hard it is. I know how people can act in the face of something that is just different from what they know. Um, And, and it can be so challenging. And the fact that you hung in there and got out of it what you could and found yeah. the things that did work for you and did help you to grow. Um, I mean, it, you know, I'm hoping that the, it wasn't just all torture and that there were little moments no. of joy no. and laughs. There are, and, always, and, there are always good moments, even in yeah. the tough, in, even in the toughest years, I can always find the good stuff I got out of school. Yeah. Um, what's next? Do you know, do you sort of have, some ideas so, of what you might be doing? I, I don't have any set projects right now, but I, you know, things happen super fast and I am auditioning constantly. Um, yeah, when we, when I, I saw you last, there were um, like two auditions I had to tape on, on, on here after that. And yeah, uh, so I'm always working and I, when I was doing interviews for Bernadette, I was said, nope, nothing, nothing new. And then a month later, there was another project. So do you like auditioning? Is there something about it that you enjoy or, or ways you can get through I mean, it? I think, 
I don't dislike auditioning because I love the opportunity and I love reading new scripts and seeing what's out there. Yeah. But I think that it's like, it's kind of a drag having to act as well as you can, you know, as best you can um, in kind of a weird setting. You're just sitting there in front of a camera. There's no, there's no other aspects of the film other than you. Yeah. Um, no, I think there are some auditions that I enjoy if it's like a really exciting project that I get to do. Um, but also there are some that, you know, are just like, I wish I could actually film this instead of be, being a, you know, a self tape. But I, no, I don't, I don't, I don't like absolutely love auditioning. Like, oh, I'd rather audition than um, be on set. But I, I, I do it because I am excited about the work that you want to do the thing yeah yeah I mean it's hard I just had an interview the last episode that I published is with a casting director and and talking so much because you're in Chicago you're probably more used to it than people who live in LA and New York where we would go in the room and the director would be there or at least the casting director and then you're doing chemistry reads I mean each step of the way um there were a lot of people involved you know Mm -hmm because you lived in Chicago, even pre-pandemic, you did yeah. most of it on tape and then were flown in to meet the Bernadette team, right? So you, yeah. you in some ways are more used to the kind of isolated you and your manager working on stuff mm-hmm. together um, than most people. So you have not had to kind of regroup in the way that so many of us have had to figure out this self-tape beast. Um, yeah, I always thought- it it was like this normal thing that everybody just put themselves on tape and sent it right, out. Right. Uh, I've been doing that. I mean, that's how all my auditions work and, uh, unless I'm flown in, you know, that would be the next Well, girl, step. it's working. <laughs> Don't meet anybody. Keep it up. I'm like, well, what about, how did this, LA for it. how did the, un- like, so was the unforgivable, did you just go on tape and then did you end up like getting to work with the director over Zoom? Yeah. How did you... So I went on tape once um, as a self tape. Uh, it was I there. It was untitled because uh, it was untitled for for a while before um, before the name was the Unforgivable. And I didn't get the full script. I just got the side. So it was just a, a self tape, but it was an important one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember doing it and being really excited about it. And then I was asked to FaceTime with the director Nora. And it was like, not a callback, just a FaceTime. And Nora is like the sweetest woman. I just gush over her. She is so cute and I love her. Um, And she's a mother and she has this really thick German accent um, that is, yeah, not German in the way that's like, like is she harsh. from Germany or does she live yeah, in she's German? This is her first English language film. Well, Sandy and... speaks German. Would they like speak German to each other? Yeah, I mean, sometimes they would. If Nora didn't know how to describe a word or like say a word, she'll be like, how do you say so and so in English? And I thought that was a really cool connection because I didn't know yeah. that, that Sandy spoke German or even was German. Yeah, before, yeah, before her mom. But the the FaceTime then led to um, it was probably about this like a month two of buffering time before I got the role, and um, I later learned that Sandy had seen me in in Bernadette, and so I think that that connection um, you know had helped because she had seen yeah. some of my work, and I think that also was one of the reasons why you know the process wasn't 
as as drawn out as as Bernadette was, you know, like chemistry read this and that because I I had a film behind me and people that could possibly vouch for me. And so I think that 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 helped because I didn't I wasn't flown out to to LA for a chemistry read. It was like, no, we're going into rehearsals. Um, How did you really find cool. out you got it? Well, my my managers and my family, usually my mom is with me, all, I know I get a role when everyone's on the call. Um, and I had pneumonia at the time. This was just oh, wow. November or December of 2019. Um, so I, I had pneumonia and I usually like, I, I don't, I knock on wood, don't get sick. Um, but I was very sick. Um, and I was just at home, like feeling miserable. Are you sure it wasn't COVID? Because well, now you're hearing before, of like, I know, I know, but now we're hearing of these things. We don't know, but you felt like, I, don't know, I, totally been. I have my conspiracy yeah. about, about whatever illness I had, but I was, you know, and I just remember getting a call from my manager, Margot, and Lisa was on the phone and, and it was just this moment of like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's just indescribable joy to, to, to get a role and feel like your work has paid off and someone sees that in you. And it, it, it's a beautiful feeling that I, I, I like, I think about that's those times often, the, you know, that those feelings of just, it's like redemption. It's, it's very, very, it's a really joyful memory to look back on. And, you know, things move quickly when you get roles, you know, they want to start filming. And so that's, that's what happened. And the rest is history. Well, I have to tell you that, you know, Emma and I talked the other day and pre this, pre this recorded conversation. And the night after I spoke to you, I was leading a panel for this organization called Women in Entertainment. And it was very, you know, uh, artist-based conversations. And something you said to me that day, I shared with the room because it was so powerful. A couple of the younger artists who were sort of starting their careers were asking us um, elder statesmen sort of <laughs> any any tips for getting through the hard times right the, yeah. the kind of ebb and flow and the feast or famine of being an artist and I said well I spoke to this incredibly brilliant young woman earlier today who talked about one of the ways and her name is Emma Nelson one of the ways that she dealt with you know you told me about all the rejection you had auditioned for a lot of things yet you kept going um, only because you wanted to you didn't have stage parents there was no one in your life demanding you do this this was all driven by passion and love for telling stories and you talked about um uh, you talked about sort of finding ways to remind yourself to be proud of yourself, that there are so many ways our mind is constantly instructing us about how to feel bad about ourselves yeah. and to sort of really being just as um, mindful of the things you've done that you're proud of, even if it's just the audition and not the job mm -hmm. that you got or the successes you've had. And that, and that as a culture, we're so scared of being like, am I bragging? Is it, is it boastful? Yeah. And, and there was a way in which you just articulated it so clearly that it was none of those things. It is just being present for yourself and allowing yourself to feel good about the things that you've done, regardless yeah. of the final outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just so, those moments 
that are like really feel good moments like those and holding on to them and in allowing yourself to to be proud of yourself because it, it is it's true it's like we're wired to you know be our own worst our own worst critic which is so strange to me yeah. because we at, at, at once have to be our own support system and also keep ourselves in check and it especially as an actor ever we're all so critical of ourselves because there's so much rejection involved and it's it's very painful and I think you know I that makes me so happy that you brought that up um but it was incredible I I just think that it is something that that I I it's it's always a practice you know just just trying to to be your own support system and and being grateful for those moments and remembering them and you know just showing yourself love and forgiveness is is really important as an actor I think and as as a girl yes and you're seeing yourself you know images of yourself you know screens are really big and and it's also you know it's not it's one thing on a tiny monitor or your computer Mm -hmm. when you're looking at yourself tape or even ADR when you see like a snippet of something you've done you're like okay okay we are not even saying the whole thing yet right like they're very triggering those moments when when you know you're just seeing it for the first time and usually it's just the the technicians who are running the the ADR it's not even like the director or people from the mm-hmm. film and you're so vulnerable and they, they don't understand you're seeing it for the first time and it's a lot it's a the lot first time I saw for for ADR for the unforgivable I saw it I remember being like having to physically stop myself from just pointing out little details and flaws in whether that be my performance or my face or whatever like no I'm gonna allow myself to enjoy this and be proud of myself but it's hard it really is especially as a a teenage girl you look at yourself and you're like what if people look at me and they don't think I look pretty I'm like am I is that seriously what I'm thinking about right now seriously what I of course you're human Yeah. yeah but it's just kind of like a it's a it's a thought pattern that that I that I am continuously trying to break. Yeah. Well, I do have to say that I just love watching you on film. I think the um, the ways in which in both of these roles, and I can't wait to see all the other things you're going to do, um, there's something so unbelievably natural about how you tell stories. It, it just feels so effortless, even though I know how much work goes into it. And that's the beauty of it. You do all that work and preparation and rehearsal and thoughtfulness. And then you just go talk and listen and respond to the person you're working with. And it really shines through. You are really gifted, Emma Nelson. And thank thank you. you. Thank you for being on the show. Before I let you go, is there a little known fact that you can share with listeners about Um, you? Yeah, I was actually, I have one that is interesting is I am obsessed with true crime. I actually just started this new podcast um, called Dr. Death. I don't know if you've heard of it. Super, super good. And I, some people hate the genre. I love it. I do like all the documentaries, all the podcasts, all the movies about it. So interesting to me. To me, at least it's a part of this this thing uh, that's a part of some people that is like I cannot believe it's it's human like yeah I can't believe some people have it in them to do that I really think it's just I'm curious to know 
more the psychological aspect of it because it's so foreign to me. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, it's the same reason I watch documentaries about other stuff to learn more about it. And and I think that that applies there. And also, it's just like really engaging. It too. is. You know, like it you're, is. It's, there's not a boring moment. Um. All right. Well, next time we speak, you will have graduated high school. You will oh probably goodness. have done another incredible movie filled with Oscar winners. Um, and I cannot wait to see what all those things are. Emma, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. One more thing. So many of you have asked, how do you donate to the podcast? Well, it could not be easier. Just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. Instructions are clearly laid out. And I'm so grateful to you in advance for any donation you choose to make. But regardless, I have loved, loved, loved making the previous 200 and something episodes for you. I can't wait to make 200 more. I wish you a beautiful day. Stay healthy. Be safe. Until next time. The episode was edited by Nicholas Klar. We recorded in New York City. And the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.